Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm taking your calls and your questions this afternoon. Uh, Give me a call. Let's get on the air and talk about what's on your mind and see if we can't search the scriptures together. The number to dial is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000, or you can text me. Uh, we have a dedicated text line. This is open not only during the show, but also 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's open for uh, prayer requests. Uh, we don't take, uh, we don't answer the Bible questions throughout the day, but we do pray 24-7, and then we'll take the Bible questions during the show. 303-690-3000 is the number uh, to get on the air, and 720-336-0897 is the number to text us if you're in a safe place. Uh, shoot a text to us with a prayer request or, or a Bible question during the show. want to welcome everyone that's tuned in uh, from the East Coast. We've made a lot of wonderful friends out there. I'm grateful, uh, both here on Hope FM Uh, Also on the bridge, now Calvary Live is not on the bridge, but Abounding Grace, our radio broadcast here from uh, Calvary Chapel in Aurora, I guess Calvary Church in Aurora, Uh, we're on the bridge, so we've got a lot of friends on the East Coast, throughout New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland, uh, New York, Uh, we're so grateful for our friendships out there with Bobby Hargraves or Johnny Zacchio, um, Pastor Joe Foch. Uh, my buddy Ray Dash, and on and on that list could go. We just go through a whole list of Pastor Lloyd Pulley. Uh, just grateful to know that wherever you go in the country, you could plug into a local Calvary Chapel and and be a part of family immediately. And of course, you can do that with any true Bible-believing church. But it's neat to be able to connect, be connected by family around the country, even around the world, as we're looking at uh, I, got, I received an email this morning as as some of the restrictions are being lifted, and we hope they continue to be lifted. But I was uh, received my re-invitation to teach at the Serbian Pastors and Leaders Conference. And uh, what an amazing opportunity and invitation. Uh, and, and to begin to think about the tremendous grace of God, who God would choose to use us in spite of us. And he would allow us to be light bearers and image bearers uh, to carry the gospel and to be a voice for what's good, what's wholesome, what's beautiful. And that is the gospel, friends. It transforms lives. And it's so much greater and so much bigger than the pettiness uh, that believers get caught up in. And we get caught up in the, in the wrong things. Uh, and it saps our energy and it causes great division, uh, and it's it's just not... I, that phrase, 
uh, I received this phrase really early on as a new believer uh, when James says that these things ought not to be so. They just ought not to be so from the New King James. Uh, that that racial prejudice and all the things that are going on, uh, all the, the horrific things that are going on with uh, prejudice. Like there's no place for prejudice in the body of Christ because in Christ there's neither male nor female, neither Jew nor Greek, and there's neither uh, black nor white in the sense of God's value. Of course there's distinctions. <clears throat> there's distinctions from nationality. There's distinctions in the pigmentation in our skin and, and in the racial divide, absolutely. But in Christ, we're brothers and sisters. Um, in Christ, we love humanity. In Christ, we preach the gospel. In Christ, we uh, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he could lift us up. And what I've been sharing with our church, and I'll be putting a video together today, I think, um, I've been sharing, as we come back and start gathering together again, and we all have our opinions, and we all have our issues, and we, we you know, there's the camp that says this is uh, uh, bio-warfare from China. We have the camp that says, well, you know, compare the virus to the flu virus or some other death. We have the camp that says, uh, you know, the government can't tell us when to meet or how to meet. We have the camp that says, well, I don't, I don't care. I don't want to go to church anyway. And, there, uh, or we, and we have the camp, I don't want to wear a mask. You know, all of a sudden people become instant Google WebMD doctors and they, everyone has an opinion. And it's so divisive. If you sat where I sat, uh, most of my, and again, I'm not, uh, I'm, I welcome your calls. So don't, I'm, I'm opening up the show, but the show's really uh, nothing without your calls. So be sure to give me. Uh, your calls, 303-690-3000. But I do believe this needs to be said as churches start to gather together again. I see it around the country, uh, hoping very soon here in Colorado that the reasonableness of our gover of governor would recognize uh, that you can fit. I, I was at King Supers yesterday. And again, you guys on the East Coast, you may have a different timeline. King Supers is a supermarket. It's the Kroger market. King Supers is like even as a kid when I when I visited Colorado I thought it was the goofiest name for a supermarket but it's this little king dude um, uh, King Supers I I remember looking it up we don't need to look it up uh, but the the reality of uh, of going into a market and I t I snapped a picture because there's a little piece of paper there that says that the market will allow 847 people in there at one time and they did some kind of ratio or whatever on the building size and the limitations on churches are just ridiculous. Uh, if you can fit 847 people in King Supers and somehow uh, social distance and keep keep your mask on for a time of shopping where you're touching everything and putting your hand on stuff and you touch the cereal and then someone else touches the cereal and then like and then you know touching the touch screen on the self checkout on and on and on. Uh, I think we as believers can can humble ourselves and social distance. Uh, I definitely want to speak on that a little bit more. There's three words I want to share with you. And I want to, uh, I've been, sh I'm shared them with our leadership this Sunday and I'm going to keep sharing them. Um, and I'll get back to them in a moment, but we have phone calls. So I guess the way to get phone calls is just start talking. <laughs> Littleton, Colorado, Valeria is, is that how you pronounce your name? Hi, yes, 
Dr. Edith Valeria. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Um, all things considered, I'm doing well. That's amazing. Um, I'm just calling because I'm in the car with my mother-in-law. She's visiting me from Florida. And okay. uh, we are just, you know, having a little um, discussion about, uh, just to talk about um, our beliefs and, and whatnot. And um, we know that uh, it's, in, it's, it's in Scripture that it says that once absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yes. Um, and we know that to be true. Um, however, we had a question about um, is it the same for people? Because her mother, when her mother passed years ago, she accepted Christ on her deathbed. Okay. And um, we have that question, that is it the same for a person that lived their whole life in, in a Christian way, you know, serve God in that sense? Um, is it the same for a person that, you know, accepts Christ in their deathbed? Because um, right after her mother had gone, um, my mother-in-law's brother, he had a dream where his mom visited him because he took it the, the worst um, as he took care of her in her uh, later years. And he, he was her caretaker up until she died, um, the moment she died. So um, when she passed, he dreamt that she uh, was sitting at his bedside and she told him that she was in a transition phase. But she was in a phase, in a place where she felt a lot of peace. Um, however, she used the word transition, and you know, um, he asked her three times in the dream if God is real, and she confirmed it three times. But um, you know, and, and, and he to this day, you know, tells us that story. But to me, listening to it, um, I don't know if that exists. You know, the limbo transition stage. That is a okay, thing. let's let's answer those questions real easy and quickly for you. Uh, there is no transition stage for the believer. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You're absolutely right. Uh, when we have questions like this, we need to take all of our experiences, all of our previous religious instruction, dreams, visions, and compare them with the scriptures. And the Bible is very clear that whether a person is saved early in life or in the final minutes before they take their last breath, uh, the salvation that they receive is full, complete, and eternal. And it, uh, it, for some people, it doesn't seem fair uh, that, well, wait a minute, how can a person live their whole life separate from God and receive him at the last minute? Um, there, is, there, there is a misunderstanding of the grace of God. Um, and Jesus even gave us a parable about those that agreed uh, to go out and work in the fields, that whatever our agreement with God is, uh, he keeps that agreement. And and whether it's early on and we end up uh, living for God our whole life, or it's later on, we live for God on earth for a few minutes, we get to have that eternal rest that, that God offers through the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, so you answered that question with the scripture. Let's back up a little bit. Uh, because uh, in the um, in the call screen, there's the thought of purgatory. You know, that's a very popular teaching from Roman Catholicism. And purgatory, let, let's read what purgatory is from the Catholic Encyclopedia, and I'll quote, Purgatory is a place 
or condition of temporal punishment for those who, departing this life in God's grace, are not entirely free from venial thoughts or have not fully paid the satisfaction due their transgressions. So it's a place where you get to pay off your sins and work hard for your sins, and just maybe you might make it into heaven. And that's a, that's a man-made false teaching. There's no such thing as purgatory. There's no such thing as a, a place where you pay off your sins. Jesus Christ and his blood is sufficient to forgive us for all of our sins, whether we were saved early in life, midlife, or on our deathbed. And so for um, the person you described, who was it related to you? I, I forgot. Um, my mother-in-law, she's with me. She's sitting here now. Um, it's uh, her brother that had the dream after her, her mom but passed. Who was, okay, so it was her mom. I can say with absolute biblical authority that her mom, being saved in the last few moments of her life, is currently in the presence of Jesus Christ and in no limbo, no transition period. The transition period actually is a lot faster than we think. Uh, and this is where in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, he, it talks about in the twinkling of an eye, there'll be a transition uh, at the rapture of the church. And that's, I believe, also a great example of how fast there, that her mom took a uh, her last breath on earth and immediately woke in the eternal presence of God. Amen, Pastor Dave. I totally agree. We are in agreement with you um, and what Scripture says. So thank you. Thank you for answering that for us. You're welcome. Great question. Thanks for calling. You too. Have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Taking your calls and your questions. So let me get you, I'm going to get to the next call in a moment, but let me get you the... Let me get you the three words I want you to consider as churches start to regather again. You ready? I believe we need to regather together patiently. Uh, So the words are patience, preference, and humility. I believe we need to enter in to returning to our churches in person and be patient. We need to be patient with the process because none of our churches have ever been here before. And, and the, the, everything that's coming from this county, this health department, the state, that state, this state, the President of the United States is all <clears throat> very confusing. And we're all doing our best to uh, factor through what's best for our church, how we can mitigate risk in the process. It's just not as clear cut. We don't have the, the privilege of, of having and driving this bus. Uh, We're kind of on the bus, and we don't know if it's going to be a left turn or a right turn. So I think your pastors, if they could talk to you, they would say, please be patient with the process. Secondly, also be patient with the people. Be patient with one another. Um, Somebody sitting next to you might be more fearful than you are. Somebody sitting next to you may not um, see the value of wearing a mask. Or some, some sitting next to you may have a differing opinion. And we need to be patient with one another. Uh, we need to not fight, f- fight each other and bite and devour one another. But instead, we need to learn how to, sh- to be patient with one another. And, and patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so when we come back together, we've got to come back together changed, surrendered, uh, in a place where our lives are committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the one cause, 
the cause of Christ. We need to be patient with the process. We need to be patient with the people. And, and we need to be patient with the Lord. He's allowing this into our lives, and it's been very challenging. As we all know, it's been very difficult. And, and we want to return with patience. Secondly, we want to return with preference. What I mean by that is what we're taught in Philippians chapter 2, that we would esteem others higher than ourselves. That we would think of others first, not ourselves. That we wouldn't be so self-centered. That, that we would be careful with one another and, <clears throat> and actually give, uh, even as, as my assistant yesterday shared with me the distinction between preference and deference, we need to give both. We need to prefer one another, and we also need to defer to one another and really express the love of Jesus Christ. And this is not a time for selfishness. It's not a time for self-centeredness. But thirdly, it's a time for humility. The atmosphere in our churches should be one of humility, humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that he will lift us up. This is his church. It's not our church, not our building, not our chairs, not our worship team, not our instruments, not our pastor, not our elders. We belong to the Lord. And and humility is what's going to get us through this time. Uh, not only the 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 willing surrender to the will of God, but also the 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 yielding. There's that word yielding. Um, and if you weren't with us on our weekend Bible study, I, I I encourage you to pick it up because I talked a lot about selfishness uh, and how self-centered we can be. And if there was ever a time for the world to see the church in unity, it's now. And I don't mean the the kind of unity like the United Nations and we're going to lay down all our doctrine. No, 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 no. I mean unity in Christ, unity in love, unity in humility, that we would be the hallmarks of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. This is not a time to pound our fist and assert our rights. It's a time to march forward by faith, in love, and deference, and preference, and patience with one another. And I know that the Lord wants to do that. He wants to do that in your life and mine. He, he wants us to lean upon him. He wants us to surrender to him. He wants us to walk in humility. Consider those words. Maybe you have some input on them. I'd love to hear it. Let's go down to Colorado Springs now. Uh, Shelly is been waiting patiently. Shelly, welcome to the program. Hello, and that's wonderful advice on us going back to church. That was that that is exactly what we need. Um, I just have a very quick question, and I'm driving, so okay. Um, I okay. Today, I heard one of the pastors on this radio station when I was going for to pick up lunch. I heard him say something about that David didn't um, talk to God after he had sinned with. Bathsheba, and he, you know, caused Uriah to die and that whole thing, um, that until he, until, was it Nathan, is that his name, or Nathaniel, yeah, or somebody Nathan. had come uh-huh. to him and and told him, and he was giving him this, oh yeah, this guy did this, and this guy did that, and, you know, and David just got, he said he got furious or whatever, uh, fervent or something, I don't know, anyways, and I was like, is that true? He did not 
speak with God for a year until he sort of repented? Well, let's look at it. It is true that David sinned greatly through his adultery, through his deception, and even through his murder. And we know that the prophet Nathan shows up around the time that uh, Solomon, or, or excuse me, the baby was born. And, and so that's going to be some time, about nine, you know, it could be anywhere up to a year. However, I can't think of anything uh, in my mind right now that would say that he didn't talk to the Lord. Um, maybe the pastor was making a point that he didn't write any Psalms during that time, or, uh, but I can't think of, and my mind's not really sharp today, so I might be missing something, but I can't really think of a, a time where David wasn't um, talking with the Lord. So let me just talk out loud here. So let's go to Psalm 51, because in Psalm 51, we know that David gives us insight of this episode uh, of repentance with Nathan's rebuke. So let's just go and see what he says. Have mercy on me. Uh, wash me. I acknowledge my transgression. Only you I've sinned. I was brought forth in iniquity. You desired pure. Purge me. Wash me. I'm just kind of walking through this, this creating me a clean heart. Renew me. Don't cast me from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me. Uh, then I'll teach. Deliver me from my guilt. Open my lips. You don't desire sacrifice. Uh, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. So, you know, there is an insight where he, in verse 12, talks about losing the joy of his salvation. Uh, so that certainly we see uh, this sense of uh, he hasn't had a, you know, according to verse 10, he's dealing with um, his sins. Uh, he's asking his iniquities to be blotted out. Um, he talked about um, his bones being broken. Uh, he talks about wanting a clean heart, wanting a steadfast spirit renewed. So he definitely wrestled and struggled uh, for that year. Uh, but I don't think, I can't think of anything that would say he didn't talk to God. Um, he definitely had a hard time because that's, that's what sin will do with you. And the question, cause I, cause then it led me to think, okay, because, and the only reason that this even grabbed me was because I deal with the thing where, um, I have a, a daughter that's with a guy that is just, He's just evil. I have no other words for it, okay? He just, just think of everything that describes evil the guy is. And, okay. I mean, I'm not repentant in the way that I feel about him. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not dealing with that, and I'm not even telling God I'm sorry. Does, does that, is that wrong? I know it's wrong. Well, I was going to say yes, it is, and, and also no, and and I'll give you the yes. There's certainly great sinful responses that you have seeing this man in your daughter's life. Um, it's hard for you. Uh, it's it's gotten to you. It it affects you. Um, it's caused a lot of sinful responses, and the sinful responses are wrong. But to not like this guy in your daughter's li life is not wrong. Um, to care so much for your daughter that you're jealous over her. Um, and want better for her is not wrong. And that's one of the confusing parts of what you've been dealing with, where, you know, the end result usually is just some sinful thing. Um, 
the 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 end result my wife has been telling me you know because i've got some situations in my life that have just been carrying over my life and she'll tell me she'll some she'll we'll wake up in the morning and she goes man um what what did you watch before you went to bed last night or what because you're talking in your sleep and what you're saying is not very edifying and i'm like oh man what did i say and and i know that i am carrying things in my heart that need to that that night i obviously didn't confess them because they're in my dreams like i can't even get rest in my dreams from them and and yet the circumstances around them are bad they're sinful they're horrific over which i have no control over i can only control how i respond and many times in our lives the pain of others of other sinful uh, decisions the pain of other sinful actions enter into our life and you know we we don't always respond the right way and we need to take those cares and concerns to the lord so that when we confess them he meets us there and begins to build our faith and our trust and i think it's okay to pray against this guy's being in your uh, i pray for his salvation but also pray lord take him out of my daughter's life get him out i don't want him anywhere near my daughter uh, give me a voice that let me talk to my daughter at just the right time so she'll get out of his life you know i i think those are very appropriate for you don't have to be all oh lord please be so kind to uh no you don't always have to be that way um you can read through the psalms and see that david brought some really heavy things to the lord and he left them there but like we get the picture of we left them there and they never come back again sometimes they come back as soon as we say amen and it becomes a new battle for our lives to surrender to the will of God. And that's my answer. Yeah, and, I, and that's, that's good. Thank you very much, because I, I, I know that's true. But I didn't know that I could pray like that, actually say, take him out of her life. If he's not going to, you know, be saved and come to your will and change, then take him out of her life. I didn't think I could pray like that. You can start out with prayer like that if you want. If that's how bad you're feeling that day, say, so, you know what, God, I'm just overwhelmed. I'm I'm hurting for my daughter, and you know X Y Z guys in her life. Take him out, Lord. Remove him from her life. And and you know prayer is prayer is an expression of our emotions to God. Um, I'm I'm teaching a class right now in our church called Learning to Lament, and lamenting is that that bridge between the sinful world, and the holy and righteous God. And lamenting is a form of prayer where we bring our concerns to God, our pain to God, and, and we tell him our concerns and our complaints. But see, the key is not, we get caught up in getting it off our chest and telling him, but the key in prayer and lamenting is not get, just getting things off our chest, it's getting to God so that while we're there, we remember that it's his will on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where we leave it. We leave prayer with trust and faith. And that's why the more we pray, the more our faith and trust is built up. Email me and I'll send you a link to this book. I bet you it'll bless you. It'll teach you a new way to pray that, that you've never... I've been a believer 29 years, and this is the first time this particular form of prayer, or at least maybe it's just the perfect timing, 
but has been introduced to me. And it it's it's putting uh, definitions to types of prayers I've already been praying because you go through the Psalms and you're just like, man, David had a lot of issues. And uh, it's really powerful. So email me. I'll send you a link and you could get the I book for yourself. That. I'll do that. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless you down in the Springs. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, we're coming up on the uh, first half of the program break and we have open lines. I'd love to have you join me. Uh, 303-690-3000 or um, uh, you could text me 720-336-0897 My name is Ed Taylor taking your calls and questions I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado and uh, we'll be back in just a few Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. If you you guys on Grace FM, uh, you guys out on Hope FM, Truth of the FM, other stations, you don't hear this, but if you heard that spot with Sammy Tanago, uh, and and that laugh like that that is Sammy he he doesn't change at all for his spots and what a passionate man uh he's from originally from Egypt and what great passion he has for reaching the muslims uh and he does very effectively uh i believe the book that he wrote uh is glad news for muslims or also uh kevin is that is there another title um uh jesus loves you um, I think I, I forget the title of his other book, but if you heard Sammy Tanago, please do. And you have a heart for Muslims. Uh, please do visit his website. Uh, that would very much encourage you very much encourage you. God loves you. My Muslim friend, we've had him out before. We haven't had him out recently, but his, his, I, I, I was encouraged by his laugh. That was, that's totally Sammy. And uh, I'm telling you, anytime you go to a, com- a pastor's conference, Sammy will uh, come and give you a big hug. He's got this big smile, and he is zero to a hundred in a in in a split second. Uh, I love that guy. So that that laugh just encouraged me. All right, let's go over to Yoder, Colorado. Shane is calling. Shane, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for taking my call, brother. How are you today? Great. How are you? Oh, better than I deserve. Great. What can I do um, for you? I had you? a question about um, kind of what's going on in the churches um, being closed. I was wondering what gave uh, governor any of the governors uh, authority over the Constitution to close churches and then force restrictions and stuff on them when the First Amendment specifically states that churches are an essential service and that they're not to be hindered in any sort by the government. Well, I don't have the knowledge to answer that from the perspective. I'm not a part of um, state government, or I haven't been in in a place of governor, but I can tell you that here in Colorado, uh, the the governor's order to cease gathering uh, in a large scale was not a call for our churches to close. So our church has not been closed one day since this all started. 
We've had pastors on the property every single day uh, from the day that we started. Uh, And for us, we made the choice, and I think every other pastor would share the same thing. We made the choice to voluntarily cease the the larger gatherings that we have for a time uh, in order to join with all the other uh, businesses and uh, all the other, you know, you know, you've lived through it. We chose to be a, a witness to help slow the spread of this virus. And, and so I don't personally believe that a governor has any right to redefine the church. Um, they, don't, they don't have any right to redefine what God has created. However, there is an intermingling, uh, and I'm sure you realize this, Shane, there is an intermingling of government officials and entities with the outgrowth of a church. For example, um, we had to pay the city of Aurora X amount of dollars to build our building uh, and to tap into the sewer fee. Uh, we have to we have to submit to the authorities of of the fire codes to make sure our driveways are in a place that that follow the code. We have to submit to the Tri County Health Department uh, to make sure our kitchen is up to their code as a church as a church entity. Uh, and so we we all the, the church as an entity navigates as a larger body of Christ, navigates through a lot of different layers of legalities. Um, and no church is above the law, uh, and it never has been above the law. So I think that what we're seeing uh, is a time, we're getting up to a time where the church wants to be a cooperative entity with the government. We, we don't want to, to see, we want to try to find, the, I can speak for our church, we want to try to find the balance of allowing the larger gatherings to to meet again, um, and at the same time, still continue to be a good witness. Um, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think the governor or the health department or the health can override the constitution. I think that's being established in in many of the court systems. Um, but but I think you have to look at it from street level. Uh, our church has never been closed. Uh, we've been open all the same hours. We've had people on the property, pastors on the property. Um, we've even had small group gatherings um, in order to get the online services going, and we've had prayer on the property. So, so depending on where you're coming from on that question, I don't think um, I'm, I'm not. I don't. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't get involved in all that. I just know we're getting very, very close to the time of gathering together again, and and we want to do that. And I'm sure the church you attend wants to do that too, if they're not already. I'm just wondering why all the churches, as pastors, they kind of, you guys kind of said, you know, yeah, let's just cave in and forsake the fellowship of the congregation, which is a commandment of our Father, to uh, to please the governor. And when you guys could have said, hey, let's meet in the middle somewhere, we have a capacity of three or four, let's say 3,000 people for our building, we'll cut it down to 600 people for service, and we'll do six or eight services a weekend, we'll sterilize Monday and Tuesday, and then the offices are open for a couple days out of, for a couple hours a day during the week, so everybody else can be taken care of during the week. I don't understand why people just shut down, because, like, there, I know several people that don't have access to any web services. I know a lot of pastors that are saying they're live streaming, but they just do one stream, and then they just redo it 
and just replay it. And I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but how do you know that that's the same message that God wanted for all three or four services that you're playing that for when when you teach live, there's certain variations in your sermons that God uses to touch different people in each service. And so from your perspective, you, are you considered uh, not having a large gathering in a building, the forsaking of the fellowship? Yeah, because by the law, we're not allowed to join together in each other's houses either. The are you breaking the law? Building or, I, of the I mean, church, since we don't, we we don't know your last name, are you still gathering with people? I'm not, because we're not allowed to. I would invite people well, over to my mean? house and have Bible studies and stuff, but we're not allowed to do that. It's specifically you, forbidden you, you to go from house to house. You, that, that's not true. You actually can have a group of up to 10 people in your house, but still, have, can you meet with two people? See, I think uh, as you were, I'm sure, I don't know if you were listening earlier, but you 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 provide a great example of of frustration and and opinion and difficulty with this and as we're all coming back to a place of starting to meet together again um i mentioned earlier what i'm asking our church to do is to be patient to be patient with the process and to be patient with each other as we gather together again to lay aside uh, secondly to to show preference because not everybody's going to believe the same way we do or the same way Shane does. And then also to walk back with humility. And and I think that I do understand some of the perspective you're coming from, Shane. Uh, I do get that. And I do have a, we do interview in our own church. We have some technologically challenged people. Uh, totally, I get it. Uh, we've tried to, uh, we've it. what it's done for us is it's opened up so many different avenues of ministry, um, you know, I can only answer for me, and I don't want to sit in judgment on any other of the pastors because they're going to stand or fall before the Lord, the Bible says. But for us, all of our services, with the exception of a couple, like for Easter, we had services 24 hours all, all Easter, so we did do a recorded service, that one. Uh, and then there was one other one in the beginning of this whole thing that I had to go to California to get my daughter from Bible college, that we did a recorded service. But other than that... All the worship teams, the pastors, all the the administrative team, the people, the volunteers, we've done live services just like we normally, we've had it live on the radio, live online, and I think that that's the approach. I don't want to, I don't want to stand in judgment on a pastor that has a different conviction than I do. I don't want to stand in judgment. I don't believe, and I'll have to stand before the Lord. I may, let me just say, I may be wrong, Shane, and God may bring great conviction into my heart, or I might pay for this at the Bema seat of Christ. I, I hope I don't, but I may have made some wrong decisions in ceasing the, the, the larger gathering of services here, but but I, I made them with confidence. I made them with the agreement of the elders of our church and the pastors of our church. I made them thinking of the weak and the vulnerable. Um, I made them with alternatives for fellowship, not just online, uh, not just the online services, uh, but, you know, our staff has been calling everybody we have a phone number for, reaching out to them, praying to them. Um, we are, so it's so like, I can't speak for all the other churches, but I don't agree with you when you say we just laid down. I didn't lay down. I made the decision fully standing up, um, confident in leading our congregation. I know that, I know that other pastors made similar decisions um, and it's been a, it's been challenging. And I know we may not have made the 
We may not have made decisions right all along the way, but I'm grateful for the grace of God. I'm grateful for his faithfulness. And I'm also grateful for you, Shane, because I know you called um, before and shared uh, some of this. And I'm just going to exhort you. It's time to have people in your house. It's time to gather together again. Uh, It's time to seek out Shane, because this is the second time you've mentioned this when you called before, to seek out people that don't have technology. If that means going door to door in your community, then it's time to be the be the church. The church isn't the building, and and the Sunday gathering is not the only avenue for corporate worship. Um, there's so much more that we can share in fellowship. But I do appreciate your input, and it it does remind me that I I've got to be very careful in making my decisions. And I'm grateful for the elders of our church who's, who've been serving alongside of me many, many years, and also for the pastors and the staff as we stand in agreement of moving forward as a church. Um, and your prayer, Shane, thanks for praying for us, because this is a very challenging, challenging time. And I don't start with the premise that the governor shut us down. He can't shut us down. And uh, thanks. 303-690-3000. Karen over in Windsor, Colorado. Karen, welcome to the program. Hey, Karen, are you with us? I'm sorry, Karen. I don't hear you if you are. Let's see. You dropped. So we're going to pick up on Audrey in Aurora, Colorado. Audrey, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. So my question is, um, I recently heard a teaching, and somebody said, was saying that you could be a disciple, a learner, and a follower of Jesus, but you aren't necessarily saved. Um, And this is all coming from when Jesus turned water into wine, and the disciples had made the statement of that they believe and so she gathered that from that. And do you think that that statement is true, what she's teaching, or do you think that it's a little off? Well, I do think it's possible for people to pretend to be saved and read the Bible. Uh, I think unbelievers can read the Bible. I think unbelievers can go to church. I think unbelievers can learn the Christian language. I think unbelievers can, you remember what Jesus said? He warned us of wolves, and they'd be dressed like how? Do you remember? Wolves in? Um, sheep's clothing. Right. And so that's, that's definitely a fake believer. And then, and then there's this passage in the Bible that's very troubling. Uh, it's in John chapter 6, verse 66. And what an appropriate verse, right, for what this says. And listen to what it says. This is the New King James. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So a disciple in a general sense is a learner. Uh, So the definition that you heard is correct. It's a disciple is a learner. And is it possible for an unbeliever to learn things about God? Yes. Is it possible for an unbeliever to... Fake it. Yes. Is it possible for uh, somebody that you've been with for a while, um, all of a sudden they say they don't believe in God anymore? 
yes. And so I don't really know the extent of the teaching that you heard. I'm not too sure I'd make that point from uh, from the turning water into wine, but I would make that point from John 666. Okay. That's what I wanted to know was, because um, it's one of those things, like I've allowed or uh, listened to, because um, she does women's ministry, and so I've listened to her teachings for a while. Yes. And it's uh-huh. one of those things, like, hear somebody that doesn't seem right and then it's not right you can't ever really listen to them the same and so i was just i just wanted to make sure who is it uh priscilla shire oh she's a pretty solid teacher yeah and so i'm not sure like i'm just kind of struggling with it i talked to will about it and um and so it just is like i just wanted to get another um person person's thoughts oh, on it. It just struck me what Audrey this is. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, because um, usually I could just talk to Will, and you already know, like, we can kind of sort things out in the Lord um, through yes. prayer and the Word and stuff, so, and we are just kind of like, hmm. And I think it, too, it kind of had to do with, um, you know, who she is and how sound she is, that we were just kind of yes. like, you know, maybe it's, maybe it just is not, I don't know, maybe I didn't take it right, I don't know. Um, let's see, the signs he began, and I'm, I'm just going to go to the text, his disciples believed in him. Um, uh, well, I mean, I think that there's also maybe a sense of, you know, what, what we're looking in, what we're looking with, with the men primarily that were following Jesus, they were not born again, right? They were still living under the old covenant. They were still living, um, up until the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they're still living under the old covenant, so that there's a progress, and, and I would even say, looking at it's John uh, two eleven, his disciples believed in him. I I don't know that I would have made the point there like she did, but I can understand the idea that you come to a place where you come either to a, a deeper level of faith, because even this and uh, disciples and believing, they're still not born again here. They're not born again till the end of John when Jesus breathes in them. Kind of what Will was saying was that it was um, at that point. Maybe it was more at that point they finally received revelation, and you know. So I just we're just I'm kind kind of trying to sort it out because it would stink to not be able to have to be able to listen to her. <laughs> so. No, but but like any teacher though, you know, I think any teacher. So in a general sense, uh, Pris- Priscilla Shirer can be res- be heard, but we just have to. You know, we have to, because if you were going to say like Joyce Meyer, if you would have said Joyce Meyer, I would have said there are better teachers out there. Um, no, I would no, not have given was, my endorsement. Those, that was my baby Christian days. That was my first year. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so yeah, I wouldn't have, but, but for Priscilla Shira, just like with listening to me or anyone on the radio, we're going to take what they say and examine it. And we don't have to take every nuance of teaching that a teacher gives us, we can say, oh, that's interesting, but I don't quite agree with that. And then we move on. But definitely there's a transition here where these guys that were hanging around Jesus came to a deeper understanding of belief in him. Let me just check what what the word is real quick. Um, But I would make her same point with John, though. I mean, I could make the same point. I think it's actually a stronger point by the time we get to John 6. Um, Disciples is not the standard one uh, to learn to understand. So that is the standard word for disciples. And let me just see real quick what belief is. What 
what word they used for belief. Uh, believed, it's probably, let's see here, pistou. So it's just, those are two very typical words for believe and uh, disciple. So Okay. I don't think you need to abandon okay. her teachings for that. <laughs> I know, and it's hard because... When you um, you know allow somebody to disciple you disciple you electronically, you can't really call them up and be like, "Hey, what did you mean by this?" Um, yes. You know, as opposed to like you guys, you can kind of we can kind of ask you like, "Hey, you confused me," but so I just wanted yes. to get your thoughts because um, you know it, it is you're right. It's hard to to um, learn from other people and then not completely understand. So. I, okay. I think she also has the gift of exhortation, and what she could have been sharing was an exhortation, like a warning to the make-believers, kind of like the point I made this weekend, right? I believe in the security of the believer and the insecurity of the make-believer. And, and so those make-believers, sometimes something I'll say is directly to those make-believers in the room, saying, come on, it's, you got to step up. You don't, don't fake it. And, uh, but I don't know. I haven't heard, I didn't hear what she said, but great question. Thanks, Audrey. We'll see you soon. Yep. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that's, uh, we're heading in that direction, folks, seeing people soon in worship again, might be some limitations with people. And, you know, there might be a little bit of fear and anxiety about coming back into large groups, but I'm just praying that that ceases very soon. I got a text and follow up on this. Um, what do you think about Beth Moore? I appreciate, uh, the ministry of Beth Moore. And again, with any teacher that we recommend from John MacArthur to Chuck Swindoll to Ed Taylor to Al Pittman, just we always take everything that that we hear and test it by the Word of God. But Beth Moore, I, I, I appreciate her ministry. I also appreciate the ministry of, um, oh, what's the gal that teaches inductive Bible study? Um, oh, goodness. She's solid, rock solid. What is her name? Um, no, but uh, Kevin suggested Cheryl Broderson. I appreciate her teachings. Kay, Kay Arthur and also Cheryl Broderson's. They don't. We used to air it on Grace FM, but they don't produce them anymore. But Cheryl Broderson's mom, Kay Smith, was also a phenomenal Bible teacher. And Kay Arthur is the one. Thanks, Kevin. Kay Arthur, just solid, solid, solid stuff. Uh, and if you go, by the way, if you want to listen to Kay, to um, to Kay Smith. Uh, you can go. You can download the free app from uh, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, uh, the Word for Today. And I know many Calvaries still use her stuff. Um, she's she was just an exhortive woman, um, and I love that. My wife has that same gifting in her teaching. Uh, we don't record her stuff. I wish she would, but she's she got the same uh, exhortive gifting, um, and I personally appreciate that. 303-690-3000 is the number. Do we have anybody waiting? Uh, let me scroll through here. Audrey, Joe. Uh, let's go up to Longmont. Uh, Joe is calling. Joe, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. So I have a friend. He doesn't live in Colorado. Um, but uh, he's been friends, or we've been friends since we were kids, babies, and... Uh, we kind of grew up in the church, kind of some unhealthy stuff, and I turned away, and he came back to the Lord, and uh, eventually he um, got me to come back in my early 20s. And uh, in the last few years, he's kind of uh, turned away a little bit. Uh, he dated, he just 
got out of a relationship probably eight months ago with a girl who wasn't a believer, and she had some uh, drug issues and things like that, and um, that was pretty tough on him. She had a kid, and um, and then I think he got out of that. I feel like there was some things. I feel like God answered some prayer, and then um, five months later, he's now dating another girl who's um, not a Christian and um, seems like they have a lot more in common and he has a lot more fun with her and she's got a lot less baggage, but uh, she's into some interesting spiritual stuff of uh, tarot cards and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I'm, with his last relationship, I, I said I how I felt mainly, but, um, you know, I wasn't as blunt as I should have been. So I uh, just kind of dealing with that and love and not judgment, um, how to communicate that with him what would be good but well you you build you, you have the you have the opportunity uh and and the greater opportunity because of your relationship with him that you build upon that relationship and that trust he has with you we know he's not going to like it we know he's going to have excuses and reasons uh, we know that he's made compromising decisions he knows that and we know that so there is an expectation that he's going to be really defensive around that and be protective. But because, like the difference between me telling him and you telling him is that you've got all this history with him and you guys have been in the trenches together and your relationship is is so much stronger than my relationship with him because you've had so much more time and testing with him. And I think by your by the way you described it, even to me, you don't sound haughty, you don't sound judgmental, you sound concerned, you sound matter-of-fact, and that's how I think you should approach him, concerned and biblically matter-of-fact. And yeah, he has friends. He, he, I mean, he has fun with her. He has, she has less baggage. On a human level, there's quite a bit of, of, of I guess you could say, advantages over some the other gal he was with or other gals, but the greatest disadvantage is is that he's chosen to disobey God because the Bible clearly says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It couldn't be more clearer. Like that's one of the more, there's a lot of fuzzy things in the Bible at times, or I don't quite understand that. Or like one of the questions, did Nathan not, did David not talk to God for, like there's a lot of fuzzy things where we're not, but this is not one of them. And I think that that it, it is, God's prompted you to do it, and you just got to lay your heart out there and just say for his good, you know, as a friend, you know, I, and, and even speaking to his singleness and maybe some loneliness that, that dropped him into this relationship and, and have empathy with that, you know, be empathetic, be careful, um, but, but be truthful and honest and speak the truth to him in the background of the loving friendship that you've shared with him for many, many years. Yeah, that's good. And then uh, for myself, I like you know you take the you know the plank out of your eye before because I, um, you know, my relationship with my wife, we had um, you know a kid out of wedlock, and we've worked through that. And I think by God's grace, it's worked for good. But um, and there's things you know there's things that I deal with. There's I mean we're all sinners, but um, there's also I have a lot of friends and community that I hang out with who are unbelievers too. And I have like close friends and sometimes, you know, I know I compromise. So, um, 
I don't know if I, sometimes I, I don't know if my conscience and my heart is clear to see or even speak truth into him. So I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it is because I think that you, as you're dealing with, as you're looking at your own life, it also speaks to the humility that you're sharing because there's, there's nothing prohibited in the Bible of having unbelievers as friends. As a matter of fact, those those folks, men and women, they need you in their life. But the Bible does prohibit our compromise. You know, the Bible does prohibit our sinful decisions. But we need, I wish believers would have more uh, unbelieving friends and, and have influences in their life. And to, to find, uh, even as I walk into the pulpit, I don't walk into the pulpit with clean hands other than the hands that Jesus Christ cleansed for me. I walk into the pulpit by the grace of God. You know, I flip on the technology here in my, in, in my office, in the studio, um, not as a perfect man. I give advice not because I'm, uh, I've got um, all the logs out of my eye, but rather even in talking through things, like you're talking through things, you're like, the Lord's saying, but there's a log in your eye. And I'm like, you're right, Lord, I need to deal with that. I, and, but, but, my, but my advice is still true, right? So, you know, you can still speak. And if he says, well, what about you? Your answer is you're right. Uh, I'm, as before I even gave you the advice, God was speaking to me. I mean, that's a powerful thing, you know, right? Because that's a defensive mechanism. So you go, well, you know, Joe, you're an idiot and you're a sinner and you're a full compromise. Why should I listen to you? You know, and you're like, you're right. God's been speaking to me. So what? let's do this together. <laughs> That's powerful, Joe. So Lord bless Joe. You hear the music. Um, God bless you guys. Join us online or on the radio tonight, 89.7-1017. Uh, we'll be in the book of Daniel looking at the last days. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.